Did you turn to 2 Kings 7? If not, go to 2 Kings 7. I'm going to tell you the story of what's going on here in a moment. Uh, and by way of introducing this story, I want to talk to you today about defining moments. Everyone say defining moments. Defining moments. We're living in a defining moment as a nation. Uh, and, uh, uh, and really, I want to talk to you about the fact that a defining moment can either be a milestone or a, somebody say it, tombstone. Uh, and defining moments come our ways. In fact, let me give you Pastor Sam's definition of defining moment uh, right now. I, I just kind of thought about it and put it together in my, in my thoughts and came up with this. A defining moment is a critical pressure point moment in our history. Uh, all of us have a history that defines who we are based upon how we react or respond. Everyone say react or respond. You see, if you react incorrectly and respond right or, or respond rightly, that determines how, the outcome, whether it is a, it becomes a milestone or a tombstone in our life. To define something means to clearly state or describe the exact nature of something. And all of us have defining moments in our life and churches have defining moments and nations have defining moments where where we have the choice if you will to react incorrectly or to respond rightly that's really what i'm saying this morning in fact i can think of a defining moment in our in some defining moments in my own life i can go back and i can tell you two or three or four different stories in my life and times in my life when when i came to a place that if i responded rightly i would move forward into God's destiny or if I reacted incorrectly I could miss God's best and and possibly that would be a tombstone over my life rather than a milestone so that's what we're going to talk about this morning but let me let me just show you if you if I can a little video clip and all of you probably remember this but it was a defining moment in the history of, of our nation just a few short years ago just after September 11th and I want to show it to you this morning amen Thank you for making the nation proud. 
and may God bless America. That's what I call a defining moment. How you respond or react in the middle of a pressure point in life determines whether uh, you succeed or fail or whether you press forward or are pressed backwards. And, uh, you know, all of us, have, how many have ever been in the middle of a defining moment in your life or family where you realize this is a pressure point in my life? And in fact, Jesus said this uh, about, our, uh, about uh, the world we live in. He said, in the world, you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Now, uh, our church family, we're about to be 20 years old. Can you believe that? And the last Sunday of August, we'll be 20. And you know what? That, that's a defining moment for us. And, 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 and in reality, uh, it's, it's what we do with what God has given us. In fact, we're at a place, as we've talked about the past few weeks, that we must press forward. We cannot draw back. We don't have the luxury uh, of, of drawing back. We've got, in fact, what does the Bible say? God has no pleasure in those who draw back. And let me tell you about defining moments. Here's what you need to understand about defining moments. They, they have power uh, either for the good or for the bad. In fact, our, defi- our defining moments that we go through will either discourage and defeat us or develop and determine us. Look at that for, with me for a moment. I know it might be, I put, maybe I should have got a little brighter font for you. Our defining moments will either discourage and defeat us or develop and determine us. And what we saw with President Bush back there uh, after September 11th, there was no teleprompter around. Let me tell you, it's hard to, it's hard to, uh, when you're just following a teleprompter, but he was following his heart and he stepped up and he said, the people who knocked down these buildings will hear from all of us soon. And it was a defining moment in America and a defining moment around the world. And, and he responded rightly. He stepped up to the plate and responded rightly. Yes, we were discouraged and in some ways felt defeated, but in we did not let that uh, determine who we were. It did not define us. And you saw those workers there were, were shouting, USA, USA. They were more determined and, and it, it, it worked something. As tragic as it was, it worked something within the backbone of America that says we will not allow this negative evil influence to rob us of our freedom. Somebody say amen. Amen. It was a defining moment. And so what we do with them, I think of Jesus in the garden. He was in the middle of a defining moment in his ministry on earth. And he was wrestling with his moment. And he asked the Lord, he said, uh, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. He asked three times, but then he said, nevertheless, not what I want, but what you want, not my will, but your will be done. And he pressed through and, 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 and that didn't become, it didn't define him as defeated and, and, and unable. It defined, defined Jesus as the one who finished his course and he finished his race and he fulfilled the purpose of God for his life on earth. And as we looked at the last few weeks at the church in Acts 4, where this all was kind of birthed in my heart. In fact, these last few weeks as we've been going through Let Us Pray, it spoke, God is directing my own life and He's directing me as, as I lead this church and we've developed, I'm calling it my 10 year press. I just turned 60, I figure I can make it to 70, I don't know, we'll see. Uh, but my 10 year press is, we're called together. We're called to grow. 
were called to give and were called to go. That was birthed out of that series and that, uh, and that prayer focus that we've had the last seven weeks. And we looked at Acts chapter four when they were in the middle of a defining moment being threatened by the religious forces of the day to speak no more in the name of Jesus. It says they went to the place of prayer and they prayed the prayer of faith and they took their stand at the place of prayer. And the Bible says when they had prayed, the place where they were gathered was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak the word of God with boldness. I'm telling you, that's how you respond in the middle of a defining moment, in the middle of a pressure, pressure point in life. Amen. And then I think of, I, I, we go back into the Old Testament. David, one of my, the great heroes of the faith, even in the middle of his humanity, David at Ziklag. I don't know if you remember the story, but David and his mighty men came home from battle. And, and I think the Philistines had, had, uh, had come through their, their town and just wreaked havoc and stolen their wives and their children. And they came home and it was so bad that even his mighty men spoke of stoning him. There was trouble in the camp. And David responded rightly. And at that point, it, it would be the, the case of many of us just to throw in the towel and give it up and just say, roll over and say, well, I'm defeated, but not David. The Bible says he went to the place of prayer and he said, bring me the linen ephod. And he stepped into the place of prayer in life's most pre uh, pressured point in his whole life when no one was standing with him. When he was all by himself, he goes to the place of prayer. And the Bible says he encouraged himself in the Lord his God. God and God began to speak to him because he responded rightly and God said pursue your enemy for you shall doubtless recover it all he got up and he pursued his enemies and God brought about a great victory because he responded rightly and it defined him that day who many a people have reacted to their defining moments wrongly They've suffered the consequences of those, uh, those reactionary moments. How many have ever reacted to something you could, you wish and, and pray you could take it back? I wish I wouldn't have done that. I wish I hadn't have gone there. I wish I hadn't have said that. I wish, I, I wish this would not have happened if I'd have responded rightly. And, you know, people get divorced because they react rather than respond. People quit jobs when they shouldn't quit jobs because they get mad and they react wrongly instead of responding rightly. And so all of us need to learn in how to respond rightly. You see, how we react or respond determines the outcome of our life. Will it be a milestone or a tombstone? Now we're at 2 Kings 7. Are you there? Say, I'm there, Pastor. Let me just, I'm going to read a lot, but I'll tell you the story here. And it basically is this, Samaria has been surrounded by the Syrians. Nobody was coming out, nobody was going in, and as a result, the people began to starve. And it was so bad. And when I, when I say so bad, you say, how bad was it? It was so bad that women were bartering together over whose son they would kill and boil and eat first. That's bad. It was so bad... Well, I see y'all are so slow. It was so bad that a quarter of a pint, that's not very much. I don't know how many ounces that is. Half a, half a quart, I know a quarter, half a pint is a, 
half pint. I don't have any ounces. A quarter of a pint of dove dung sold for a whole lot of silver. I don't remember the number. That was bad. It was so bad that a little bit of flour sold for a whole lot of money. I don't want to go through the shekels and, and try to figure all that. That was just a lot of money because, uh, because uh, there was famine, because the, the Sumerians uh, were surrounded by the Syrians. And, and, uh, and as is the custom, the king of uh, Samaria thought, you know, I need to figure out, I think I know whose problem this is. I'm going to blame the preacher. Let's blame the prophet. In fact, let's just bring him to me. I'm going to kill him right now. It's got to be the preacher's fault. <laughs> I know how he feels. That happens. And so, without getting too deep into the story here about all the gory details of, of how, how bad it was, uh, Elisha even knew that the king was about to send ambassadors to have him killed and he begins to prophesy in chapter 7. It says, and Elisha said, hear the word of the Lord. Let me just tell you, I could preach right there. In the middle of your defining moment, in the middle of your pressure point, one of the best things you can do is hear the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, tomorrow about this time, a seah of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel and two seahs of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. What he's saying is, tomorrow this terrible famine that you're experiencing today will be absolutely over. Prices will immediately go back to normal as they were before this ever happened. It'll happen tomorrow within 24 hours. Thus saith the Lord. Now how many of you are in the middle of a famine? That's a pretty profound prophecy. Now, Look what happens here, because I'm going to show you two key players in this story. It says this in verse 2, So an officer on whose hand the king leaned. In other words, the king's right-hand man. How many of you know everybody has a right-hand man? The, the officer on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Lord, if the, pardon me, look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could this thing be? In other words, this ain't happening. He said, look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, how could this thing be? And he said, in fact, now here's what the prophet said. He said, in fact, you shall see it but with your, with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. Okay? So this, this uh, officer said, there's, if God opened heaven up, there's no way what you say could actually be true. Now, in the meantime... See, it just it fades to the outside of the city. This is the drama going on. There's three lepers. Now, when you're a leper, you're not allowed inside. And lepers, it's, it's a death sentence. If you've got leprosy, you're eventually going to die of leprosy. So they had the sentence of death in themselves. And they began to see, and, and, and you know, they're seeing this scenario from outside the gate. They can see uh, the Syrian armies out there surrounding, and they know what's going on inside. And they can hear the trauma and the tragedy. And they're sitting there in the middle of their own defining moment when they had the sentence of death on themselves. And they get began to think about their situation. Now, uh, they don't seem real spiritual, but let me tell you something. They are pretty spiritual in the context of what we're talking about this morning. They began to discuss together. They go, you know, if we sit here, we're just going to die. Because we're lepers. 
Now, if we go, they're not going to let us back in the city, but if we were to go back into the city, they're all dying and starving. So it makes no sense for us to go back in the city, but it makes no sense for us to sit here because if we just sit here, we'll die. Tell your neighbor, if you just sit here, you're going to die. He said, well, let's, they said to themselves, why don't we just go out and head towards the Syrians, the enemy? Worst case scenario, they kill us and we die. But if we just sit here, we're going to die. Let me just say, in the middle of your pressure point, if you just sit there, you will die. You need to hear the word of the Lord. And they got up and they went and they began, they headed towards the Syrians. And lo and behold, everybody say, lo and behold. Oh, I love this. They realized something that, that God had confounded the enemy. And the enemy thought they heard massive amounts of armies coming against them. And they fled the scene without their uh, gold, without their silver, without their food, without their resources, without their weaponry. The camp of the Syrians was completely empty. And the three lepers were standing around in the middle of going, look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. They were having church. That's my impersonation. Here's what they did. They were eating all they could and canning the rest. And they would take it and hide it. They did it twice. They just loaded up. Can you see them? Bless the Lord, oh my soul. And all that is. And then the third round, they said, what we're doing is not right. This blessing is not for us. It's for and so they go back to the city and the city couldn't hardly believe it. They sent ambassadors out to validate it on the last few horses that they hadn't eaten yet. And they came back and they realized, they said, it is as they say. And there was a mass exodus out of the city and they plundered the camp of the Syrians. And the prophecy that Elisha had said tomorrow by this time it'll happen and it did just like the word of the Lord let me tell you something the word of the Lord is true and righteous altogether and here's the interesting thing about the officer you remember the officer there's no way it could happen if heaven opened up if God opened heaven there's no way it could happen and you know what happened the officer was trying to tend the gate and he tried to tend the gate and the people were so hungry they were so ready that the officer who doubted God now he just didn't doubt the prophet he doubted God he said if God were to go to work today and open up heaven he just couldn't believe that God could fix this problem and the Bible says the 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 crowd trampled him in the fray. He saw the miracle, but he was trampled by the people and he died. That's the story. Now that's an interesting story. We got cannibalism. We've got miracle deliverance. We've got high priced bird poo poo. We had all kinds of things going on in the middle of this story. But what we do have is a picture of a defining moment. And for the reactionary, the officer, he reacted to this with a complete lack of faith. 
absolutely did not believe. He, re- he pardon me, he didn't respond. He reacted in disbelief. And not only against what uh, Elisha had said, but against what the, was the word of the Lord. And he, and he directed his doubt, not really even to Elisha, but right to God. He said, if God opened his heavens, it, I, it, there's no way it can happen. And what happened that day? Within 24 hours, he lost his life. He was a reactionary. And for him, because he reacted in fear and doubt, the defining moment became a tombstone for him. It was his tombstone. And we're sitting here talking about him today. And go bless his heart. How he reacted determined the outcome of his defining moment. Then you think about these lepers. We'll call them the responders. They just refused to sit here and do nothing. They refused just to take their... To take their punches the way they look like they're supposed to take their punches. The city already said them. Just y'all just get out of the city and go out there and die. You're going to die. We don't want you infecting us. Get out there and die. Everybody just knew they were going to die, and they just said, "You know what?" And, and, they, and they and we don't know anything more about them afterwards. But how many of you know God uses people who are troubled and traumatized by life to do great things for Him? And these these lepers, uh, they said, "Why sit here till we die? We're not going to do the same old, same old all." over again and expect a different result. If we go in, they're going to die. If we sit here, we will die. If we go to the Syrians, we may die, but we may not die. They may take us in. They may feed us. You never know. But we're not going to sit here and do nothing in the middle of this defining moment. And because they got up and, and began to conspire together and do something for goodness sake, this defining moment became a milestone in their life. We don't know the rest of the story, but we could theorize this a little bit that the city, they, they no longer made them stay on the outside. I don't know. We don't know the story, but they got two bundles of hidden uh, blessing. I don't know what they did with it. We could, uh, we could theorize. We could hypothesize here a little bit, but, but we know something that these people, these lepers responded rightly in the middle of their defining moment. They did not react. So with that in mind, I'm going to give, I have four here today. I may just give you one. We'll see how it goes. Uh, let's learn a little bit on how to respond rightly in the midst of a defining moment. If you're not in the middle of a defining moment, let me just say to you, our, if you're a part of our church family, our church family is in the midst of a defining moment and you can either be a part of our, of our breakthrough, uh, or something else. I don't know. How many want to be a part of the breakthrough? Hallelujah. Amen. Let's learn some things from this moment with these responders, these lepers, and with this officer. The first lesson I want us to learn is if you want to, you want your defining moment, if we want our defining moment to be a milestone rather than a tombstone, we need to respond with a strong confession of our faith. Everybody say a confession of our faith. What did the officer do? He responded with a strong confession of doubt and fear and disbelief. 
What came out of his mouth was in his heart. And when you talk about a good confession, you're not talking about just words that you read off a page somewhere. You're talking about something that is born. How many of you know out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks? And if we've got faith on the inside of our life, God has given us all a measure of faith. And in fact, I'm going to show you what the Bible says about this in just a moment. But when we begin to respond, not with what we feel, not with what we think, not with what we see, not with what we feel, but with what we know God is and who God is. You see, the officer said, if God was to pour out, open the windows of heaven, how's this going to be? This cannot happen. It cannot be. I don't know what's been coming out of your mouth, but you don't want that kind of stuff spewing up out within. If it has been, you better fix what's on the inside because what's on the inside comes out of the outside, out of your mouth. And what comes out of your mouth determines the outcome of your life. Our confession, listen, plays a huge part in determining our conclusion. Let's all say that together. Our confession plays a huge part in determining our conclusion. You see, when I come to the close of my life, I don't want to do so prematurely because I spoke it into existence. Because I doubted God in a hard place. Because I looked at the circumstances and the pressure points in my life and I reacted to the circumstances in fear and doubt. Uh, But may it be when I come to the close of my life that I do so just out of good old age after living a long field, a long faith-filled life that through the pressure points of life I spoke the good confession because it has everything to do with your conclusion in life. Some people wonder why everything turns up bad for them and they're speaking it every day of their life. Listen, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you got a mouth problem, you got a heart problem. Are you with me? Say amen. And for this officer, it was his defining moment. He should have thought about the passage that says, let us be quick to hear and slow to speak. Let's don't react, but let's respond rightly. Even though we don't have all the answers, the lepers didn't have all the answers. If the lepers had all, didn't have any, had all the answers, then, then, uh, it wouldn't have been a challenge for them. Let me tell you something. The walk of faith is for when you don't have all the answers. But when the word of the Lord comes, And let me just say, I believe today is a word from the Lord for people this morning. I I don't take much credit here today other than maybe putting it down on paper. I don't take much credit. I'm telling you, I believe God is speaking a word uh, 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 over our church family and over you as individuals. And then we've got to understand that our future, uh, 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 the way we talk has a whole lot with where we end up in life. Let me show you what the Bible says. Gosh, Second Chronicles twenty twenty. You don't need to turn there. It's another illustration. In fact, it got on me this morning. I may be there next Sunday. I don't know how it's all going to turn out. But Second Chronicles twenty twenty is another defining moment in the history uh, of Judah. Uh, the King Jehoshaphat. Uh, they were surrounded by their enemy as well, and they didn't know what to do. In fact, Jehoshaphat was such a great leader. He said, "We don't know what to do, God, but our eyes are upon you." 
And so long story short, Jehoshaphat gets a word from the Lord uh, and he begins to follow through and he goes out to the people. He says this to them. He says, let me tell you something. Believe the word of the Lord. Listen, when you're surrounded, when you're in the middle of a defining moment, the last thing you need to do, this is my translation. The last thing you need to do is doubt God's word. And he, and he said this, you need to believe the word of the Lord. And if you believe his prophets, you'll prosper. What happened to the officer back in 2 Kings 7? He didn't believe the word of the Lord and he didn't believe the prophet and he did not prosper. But in the middle of Jehoshaphat's defining moment, he told the people, he said, now you better understand something today. God is up to something. Somebody tell, look around, tell somebody God's up to something today. He's up to something and you better believe what he's up to. Listen, if you look at your circumstances and you react wrongly in the middle of them, listen, you'll suffer the consequences of your wrong reaction. But in the middle of your pressure point, in the middle of your defining moment, if you look and say, you know what? I'm going to believe the Lord. I'm going to believe the prophetic word of God. I'm going to believe the preacher who might actually be prophetic. I'm going to believe Jim who prophesied this morning. He didn't realize he was prophesying. He didn't realize he was in concert and harmony, maybe with what the Holy Ghost was saying today. But uh, hey, the Holy Ghost is coming to tell you today if you'll get your confession straight which means you better get your heart straight if you get your heart straight and get your confession straight it'll determine how you arrive at the end of this story and you'll be the head not the tail the beginning and not the ending the victor and not the defeated foe and you won't be blaming the preacher every time something goes sour in your life Woo! hallelujah thank you Jesus (laughs) whoo man Believe in the Lord your God, you shall be established. Believe his prophets and you shall prosper. Look in Romans 10, 9, you don't need to turn there. You know, if you know the gospel, you know this. It says this, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be what? Nobody knows? Let me start over. I'm going to give you time to catch up. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There you go. I knew you were ready for that. You'll be saved. In other words, a right heart and a right confession produces great blessing and benefit and salvation in our life. That's what the Bible says about our confession. It just didn't say if you believe in your heart, you'll be saved. It didn't, it, it didn't say if you walk the aisle and when the, when the song director singing just as I am, you'll be saved. It didn't say that, that if, if you live a good life, you'll be saved. It didn't say if you go to church every Sunday, you'll be saved. But it did say if you believe in your heart, the gospel message, and you confess it with your mouth, then you will be saved. Boom. Everybody go boom shakalaka. <laughs> It's the power of a right confession in the middle of a place where you need him desperately. I love what Hebrews 10.23 says. And I wish I had time to read all of that to you, but it basically says this. Therefore, hold fast. Everybody say, hold fast. Hold fast the confession of our hope 
without wavering. Listen, when you're in the middle of a pressure point, when you're middle, in the middle of a defining moment, when, 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 the, when you, your world has been rocked by trouble and trauma and, and tragedy and, and trouble and, 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 and terrible circumstances, hold fast the confession of your faith without wavering. For he who promised you is faithful. See, through the storms of life, God is faithful, but you have to hold fast. Somebody say, hold fast. You got to hold fast the confession of your faith when things get worse when you pray instead of better. Hold fast the confession of your faith without wavering. And let me just tell you, let me just throw in the middle of this. Here's a positive confession in the middle of your pressure point. I don't care what's going on in my life. I don't care the trouble that's happening in my life. I don't care what I see with my natural eyes. I know what I know in my heart. God is faithful and he will help me. He will help me. I will not die but live and declare the glory of God. I'm holding fast the confession of my faith. You're exceedingly able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I ask or think. Thank you, Jesus. Hold fast. Tell somebody, hold fast. You better hold fast the confession of your faith without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Who, my Lord Jesus. 2 Corinthians 4.13 Basically, Paul said this, We believed, therefore we spoke. I believe. You see, your faith ought to make you say something. And it got to be something good. He said, I believe, therefore I speak. I've got a positive confession going on. And because of my faith, I speak. How many of you are catching this this morning? I want to, and let me tell you what I'm going to do. You want to know what I'm going to do about now? I've got four of these. I'm just giving you this one. I just turned this into a series, I think. Let me show you something. Turn to Psalms 118. Go to Psalms 118. Everybody go there. Either scroll there or turn there. I read this to my wife this morning. And I was just going to read one verse. I was going to read verse 18. No, I was going to read. No, let's see. What what verse was it? I was going to read verse 17. I shall not die but live. I quoted a few moments. I shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. Everybody say that. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. But the context of this just exploded. So therefore, I'm just going to read through this psalm all the way through it. No, at least just to 24. I'll stop at verse 24, maybe. Because David was in the middle of a defining moment in his life. His enemies were all about him. And he responded rightly. With a right confession. And here we go. Are you ready? And let me just say, let me throw this out at you. At the close of this, in just a moment, we're going to give you an opportunity. I'm going to give you an opportunity to stand up in the face of your defining moment. And our church family is a defining moment. And make some positive declarations of faith over our future. How many of you parents, when your kids were born, you looked at them and said, I speak over you that you're going to be defeated and troubled 
and a dope addict and a bank robber all the days of your life. You never did that. You may feel like somebody said that over you, but listen, you can, you can change that by, by your positive confession of faith over the circumstances of your life. Look what David, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. For his mercy endures forever. Let Israel now say, now he's leading Israel in the positive confession. He said, let me tell you what you ought to say. His mercy endures forever. Let the house of Aaron now say, His mercy endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord now say, His mercy endures forever. Everybody say, His mercy endures forever. I love it. David, he said, let me tell you something what you need to start saying. You need to start confessing the mercy of God over your life. His mercy endures forever. He's not finished with you. He's got mercy. And let me just pause and say, the Bible says His mercies are new every morning. He said, listen, start saying this. His mercy endures forever. His mercy endures forever. He said, I called on the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a broad place. The Lord is on my side. There's the positive confession. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is for me among those who help me. Therefore, I shall not see my desire, I shall see my desire on those who hate me. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. He's telling the people of Israel this. He's telling them, listen, it's better to trust God. God's going to take care of us. And he said, all nations surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. That's a positive confession. He's saying it. They, they surrounded me. Yes, they surrounded me. But in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. They surrounded me like bees. You ever been there? They were quenched like a fire of thorns. For in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. Yes, uh, you pushed me violently that I might fall. But the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and song. And He has become my salvation. The voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. The Lord has chastened me severely, but He has not given me over to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness. I will go through them. I will praise the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous shall enter. I will praise you for you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be made glad. Somebody give him some praise this morning. Let's stand together and give him some praise in this house today. Father, today we come. Today we come. We come before you, Lord. And we will not allow, Lord, death and defeat and fear and doubt into the house. We will not allow words of negativity and words of death and destruction to be uttered out of our lips, Lord. For you will defeat all our enemies. Lord, you will bring us before great men. You will bring harvest from the north, south, east, and west. You will build your church. You said, I'm the builder of the church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church today we take our stand Lord and we refuse 
We refuse to be a reactionary. Somebody here in this house is going through something defining in your life. And you've been mulling over a reactionary response and it's developing steam and headway in your life. This is your moment of opportunity to deny. Because understand, our confession has a whole lot to do with our destination and the conclusion of the matter. If you're here today and you can say, Pastor, I'm going through a defining moment and I've been challenged by the enemy to react wrongly. In fact, there's been some negativity slipping out of my mouth. And today I'm going to defeat that stuff. I'm not going to go down that road. Today in my defining moment, I'm going to step up to the plate like David did. And I'm going to believe God. I'm going to believe the word of the Lord. And I'm going to believe the prophets. And I'm going to prosper. It doesn't matter how I feel. It doesn't matter what I see. It's what I know about God that's going to turn this thing around. If today you're in the middle of that kind of a defining moment in your life. And these two choices, the choice to react or the choice to rightly respond are before you so clearly and definitely. If that's you, lift your hand wherever you are and say, that's me. And if that's you this morning, I want you to come to this altar today and we're going to rally together in an atmosphere of faith. Come on, if you lifted your hand, come on. Don't wait, don't wait, don't wait. Come on, right now. Come on. This is your beginning of responding rightly. This is the beginning of the breaking of the back of this defeat. Step up in here close. Step up in here close. Today, we're going to rally around you. We're going to stand with you. We're going to build your faith. This is a faith-building moment of opportunity. And now as these have come, I want others who have an atmosphere, a, a, a confession of faith over them, I want you to come and rally behind them right now. And let's stand with them right now. Come on, people of faith. Step around these right now. And let's begin to agree together. I want everyone in this room to begin to declare over them the blessing of God and the benefit of God. And Lord, today we're responding in faith. I pray you would honor these that are here this morning that Lord the fact that they stepped out in faith and began to walk this aisle and began to say no to a reactionary mindset and a, and a yes to the will of God over their life and a yes to the ways of God over their life I pray God that today would be a breaking point and Lord it would be a breakaway point and Lord God of moving them out of defeat and despair into destiny and purpose for their life I thank you Lord Jesus for the Holy Ghost upon them the word of the Lord upon them. Lord, I thank you that the word of the Lord is alive and well. I thank you that the word of the Lord is alive and well. I thank you that the word of the Lord is alive and well. The word of God is alive and well. The word of God, we believe the word. I want everyone to make this confession of faith with these. I want everyone in this room to say this with me. Everyone together, especially you here. Today, oh Lord Jesus, I trust you with every part of my life. I know you're going to take good care of me. I trust you. I believe you. I lean upon you. I will not deny you. I will not doubt you. I will not die. But I will live and declare the glory of God. I thank you, Lord, that the devil is defeated. 
And you are Lord of Lords and King of Kings in my life and over my circumstances. I don't look at what I see with my eyes, but I look and see you today and you are taking charge and I give you glory today in Jesus name. And everybody said, amen. And so be it in my life. Let's clap our hands and give him praise. Let's clap our hands and give him praise. Come on, let's clap our hands and give him praise today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now, let's stay right here. Let, in fact, I want everybody now, and I don't normally, I'm not trying to manipulate you here, but I think we ought to lift our hands, everybody here, to say, and just say, thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you today for the breakthrough in our life. Lord, we thank you for the positive confession. Our confession determines our conclusion. And Lord, you're not finished with us. And Lord, today over this church family, as we prepare to turn 20 years old, Lord, I thank you, Lord God, that we're going to continue to be what you've called us to be. I thank you that our church is going to prosper. I thank you that we are prospering. We're prospering numerically. We're prospering financially. We're prospering, Lord God, in every way. Lord, you've got a harvest for church on the rock north and we will not fill the atmosphere with fear and doubt but Lord we will press forward we will gather together we will grow together we will give together and we will go together Lord because we're better together and Lord today we declare over this church that your kingdom is coming your will is being done Lord and the glory of God is being manifest in our midst like never before we thank you that we're pressing forward we're not drawing back you have no pleasure in those who draw all back. We're pressing forward. We will not listen to the critique of men. Lord, we will not listen to the critique of the enemy. Lord, we listen to the word of the Lord. And Lord, we thank you that the word of the Lord says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I want the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to begin to praise him with their mouth and begin to speak a positive confession over this church family right now. Everybody begin to say something good about the future of our church. Lord, we thank Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for harvest. We thank you for people. Lord, we give you praise. We give you glory. We worship you. We worship you. We bless you today. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Glory be to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Lord, we receive what you have to say to us today. Thank you, Jesus. Trust in me. Walk in my ways. Hear my words. But not only hear my words, but do my words. Consider that. I will lead you. I will guide you. Make you the leader, not the follower. I'll make you the head and not the tail. I will deliver to you those things in your life that you have need of. But it's not just to make you happy. It's not just to make you comfortable. But it's to send you out. Yes. And cause my kingdom to grow. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So be it this morning, Lord. We, we receive what you have to say to us today. We receive it today. 
in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Believe the word of the Lord and you'll be established. Believe his prophets and you'll prosper. Amen. Whew. I sense a breakthrough this morning. I sense a breakthrough this morning. How about you, Troy? You sense a breakthrough? Josh, how about you? You sense a breakthrough? Jim, you sense something happening in the spirit. We got to stay with it. We got to press forward. Listen, God's more than a goosebump. He's much more than a goosebump. He's got great plans for us now. Everybody say, say this after me. We're called to gather. We're called to grow. We're called to give. And we're called to go. This week, we got to go out into the harvest field. 